0: conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back to the Purple and Gold Point After Show presented by MAP Construction. Mike would like to tell you along with Herb Tyler. We're at Acme Oyster House, 3535 Perkins Road. Come on by and visit us. Got a great crowd here now. Got outstanding food drink specials here and again yes. big screen tvs all across the board you can watch the games and herb and i uh, right before we went to break we saw the end of the bayou classic where southern held on and grambling had a shot at the end yep. a football in the end zone got knocked away and southern defeats grambling 27 22 and with like two and a half minutes left in the third quarter Auburn, twenty-one, Alabama, twenty. <laughs> uh, who had that on the dance card uh, today? I don't think anybody did. That Auburn could would get in the ring uh, with Alabama the way they had been playing, and Millro had really been lighting it up all across the board. And man, Auburn came to play today, uh, and had they had this type of offensive firepower against Georgia? I'm telling you, they'd have won that game because Georgia played El Lazio. They mm-hmm. were really bad, and I think they turned the football over like four times in that game. They did. Auburn just could not take advantage of it, but it's Auburn running the football on Alabama. That's, Herb, that's the real surprise for me because I didn't think anybody would do that. I thought maybe Georgia might have some success, but man, again, the dance card wouldn't have been checked off Auburn.
2: Well, it's the Iron Bowl, right? And yeah. Alabama or Never any, know. anything can happen in the Iron Bowl. And it's that's one of the beauty of rivalry week. And I, I absolutely love it because so many times the the the, the, the team that's supposed to win loses. <laughs> and and also loses in dramatic fashion. Now I don't know if Alabama's gonna lose or win this game, but I can tell you what Auburn's giving them all that they want. And Auburn gave them hook, line, and sinker last week when they lost that, that particular Man, did game. Man, they get trashed they, oh, last week. They, they, they got tore up. But I think, like I said, I think it was smoking mirrors for Alabama kind of showing them, hey, we, we don't have anything for you guys. And then all of a sudden, they pull the curtains back. And here comes the, 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 you know, the, the whole Auburn offense that no one ever thought would come out, which is running the football the way that they are.
1: But you know, when you think about Hugh Freeze, he did have some success against Nick at when Ole he Miss. was at Ole Miss. Yeah. He did have some success there. Now, again, he, he, had some, he had some horses in the barn there too. Man, he had some really good players there at Ole Miss. And, uh, man, what you, which we've seen now with Lane Kiffin, back-to-back 10-win seasons for Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to give Lane credit. He's not getting all these five-star recruits and no. four-star recruit mm-hmm. guys, but he's done a great job getting most of the top players in the state of Mississippi and reaching out in the portal because he is a personality. If, if you play offense, then wouldn't you want if you were quarterback or receiver, even at running back, wouldn't you want to play
2: for Lane? He's a guy that's a player's coach. Um, he has an electrifying uh, um, personality. He brings fun energy to the game. Um, I mean, just the way he interacts with the with the media is just absolutely phenomenal. There's no other coaches that are that are doing that with the media. How he just uh, he really with you. pokes and yeah, turns yeah, at you all the you time. And, and you, you, what he does, he makes it fun for him, right? It, you don't have to be all this uptight and you know buttoned up all the way to the top of the button shirt deal, you know, as a as a head coach. And I think that's what the players like about. Lane, and I think that that's what makes him so special as a coach. And he's kind of like uh, uh, Coach, you know, Mike Leach. You know, the, the players love him, and they love him going back and forth with other coaches and things of that nature. And that's a, that's a, that's a fun deal for the players. And you think about, you know, when you think about Kiffin it's the pitch and catch part of the
1: game, but how well they run the ball. Yeah. And they got a stud now. And they Quinshaw always is, have studs.
2: Ooh, man. The one thing about a Lane Kiffin offense is he's going to have at least one or two stud running backs that can run the football and catch the ball out of the backfield and, and play very, very well. I mean, it's just, it's a part of his staple of his offense. You know, that's what we saw when he was at USC. That's what we saw when he was at Tennessee. That's what we saw when he was, you know, an assistant for Alabama and then now at Ole Miss.
1: When you look at LSU's running game, really, it's been dominated the last couple weeks by not a running back, but Jaden Daniels. (laughs) But uh, I'll repeat something maybe I say all the time. The rushing yards count the same. It don't matter. It it doesn't matter who's rushing for it. But Jaden has sort of taken over, understanding that Diggs has been sort of nicked up a little bit. He's been injured, and he's taken over that load not only as a passer, but also as a runner. And he's dynamic. Uh, he's like the Matrix. You never really get a good shot at him. Uh, he sort of can bend his body certain ways. He's so flexible and wiry to get around hits. And that was, uh, I think, for A&M, with all that speed on defense, they never could never really could. get a good no.
2: shot at him other than when they blitzed him yeah. in the pocket. You know, the thing about Jaden, you know, his, his rushing yards – always come off schedule if you will it's not so much the design run plays for the quarterback it's whenever he's in the pocket nothing's in there, too. and then he sees a, a, some sort of a lane somewhere and he just literally takes it 24 yards almost every time and it's tough to get him down because you're right he's so wiry he's so slithery he's like a you know like a like a spilled water it just kind of goes all over to wherever it wants to go and he makes makes plays now you know, t- today he was 11 carries for 120 yards and zero touchdowns, but his long was 49. The next person, Logan Diggs, five carries for 17 <laughs> yards. So he was 103 yards more than the very next person and six carries more, only six carries. That's
1: why so, my thing is, if there's an argument, and this that, is that's nothing it. against Bo Nix, nothing against Michael Penix Jr., the best player in the nation, yeah, college football player, is Jaden Daniels. Yeah three losses that, that shouldn't even matter because to me this is supposed to be an individual award as basically the best player in college football. Now normally it goes to the best player on the best team. Uh, that that sort of how it's worked throughout the years. But if you look at how the award was set up it's really for the best player.
2: Yeah, no matter the wins or losses doesn't matter. You know you, when you come back and you look at uh, the Heisman Trophy, they give it you know, it's it's voted upon before the national championship game, right? So it doesn't matter what team is actually in the national championship. And and for me, it just makes sense to give it to whoever that person is that's doing something, head and shoulders above and beyond anybody else. And then when if you remove that person from the team, how well would that team be? How good of a team would they be if you're going to include the team in, aspect into it? Now, that being said, Jaden Daniels is, is – phenomenal in every aspect, whether it's running the ball, throwing the ball, being a leader or, or just taking all the tough hits and, and getting back up again as he did in so many games and how he's led this team to to, to those, those the nine wins that he has led them to um, with lackluster defense, if you will, and by having to put up 40 points a game. That's amazing. I mean, I don't care who you he's are. He's carrying
1: two buckets of water. He's carrying
2: three buckets of water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's like Charlie Chapman making it happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I had a texter ask about what type of numbers. Because you, you watch Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State. And man, his quarterback ain't in the same state, much no. less area code, no. as what Jaden Daniels is. What type of numbers would he put up at LSU? And I really couldn't answer that other than they would be large. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can tell you, uh, man. Because Marvin Harrison can play; I mean, he's, he's a terrific talent. Uh, I, I still am a firm believer. Malik Neighbors had a had a much better season this year, and he should be the Bolitnikov winner. But to answer that question about what type of yardage and catches Marvin Harrison Jr. would have playing with a Jaden Daniels, all I know is last year he played with C.J. Stroud.
2: Yeah. And it,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that sort of answers it. And I, I think he would, he would have unbelievable numbers similar to what you see with Malik. Uh,
2: yeah, I uh, mean, if if he was a uh, you know in that position to be one or two number one or two receiver, yeah, he would because he'll get the ball thrown to him, you know, pretty often. But if he's on LSU's team, you're part of something that's a three-headed monster, four-headed monster, if you will. If you add Kyron Lacey to the bunch, so you know you. you he could be on the, on the opposite side of that and maybe have seven eight hundred yards receiving, if you will, along with Brian Thomas's a thousand yards and and Malik's 14, 1,500 yard receiving. Um, all I know 14.
1: is uh, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, he ain't playing with chopped liver. No, at wide receiver, and Oregon got guys. They all. Y'all sort of look the same. I mean, mm-hmm. all the kind of smaller guys, thin. But man, they can run. So Bo Nix ain't playing with no chop
2: liver either. No, they're you know? lightning fast guys that can move around. And they, they, you know, with Oregon's offense, they do a lot of misdirection stuff, and they get the ball out of their hands fairly quick, like five yards or, or less. The ball is coming out, and those little guys make some plays.
1: When we come back. I'll give you the question now, but there are a lot of people that would love to see a bowl game. LSU, Notre Dame, (laughs) you know, because storyline, come on, it it draws interest. Yeah, it does. It it would draw interest in that game. Uh, You know, that's where Brian was and Marcus now has taken over and then how it works out, uh, you know, that they had a transfer quarterback, Sam Hartman, he came in from Wake Forest and he's done a good job for them. Uh, But thoughts about that right after we take a break here on our purple and gold point after Presented by map construction. We're at Acme Oyster house 3535 Perkins Road here in Baton Rouge. Come on by and visit us Uh, Jason and the crew here will take really good care of you and again great food here It's just awesome along with super drink specials and and you look around they got all the games on right now And you can watch Auburn continually with a 21-20 lead over Alabama as we're into the fourth quarter. We'll be back with more of the Purple and Gold Point After Show right after this break here on the Big 870. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
1: i like to tell you along with Herb Tyler. We're at uh, Acme Oyster House, thirty-five, thirty-five Perkins Road here in Baton Rouge. Come on by and visit us. Jason and the crew will take care of everybody here. Got great food here, drink specials, and also surrounded by television. We brought up of what's happening in the future, and that's going to be a bowl game for LSU. Yep. And a lot of people would love to see LSU play Notre Dame. And again, in a bowl game, You know, some teams travel well. Some teams don't. But you're looking for a story. Mm -hmm. Man, okay, you're going up against your old team. Uh, You know, I think that would be a really good storyline. I'm not sure Brian Kelly would like it, but I think people who run the bowl games would. They would really like it. And I'm not sure Marcus would be too crazy about it either. Because
2: if you lose that game, you know what it means?
1: What? You yeah. lost to Brian Kelly?
2: I think wherever they would play that game, it, it, all the fans would be there, whether it's LSU or Notre Dame because everybody wants to see Notre the Dame sport, travels Indiana. now. They travel very well. LSU travels very, very well as well. So especially those two teams meeting up in some bowl game in Florida or Texas somewhere or something like that would be phenomenal. And, you know, the thing about it, though, the, one of the reasons why – I wouldn't think that Brian would enjoy it so much is because <laughs> Jaden Daniels probably wouldn't be playing. Exactly. <laughs> that's, I was going to bring that up, too. And maybe even Malik, you know. You know I, I don't know. But um, it would be um, one of those things where Brian would probably try to do everything he can in his power to shut that down and, and, and just say, hey, guys, no, we, we're not going to do this. But he don't have a choice. Whatever, they, whatever they're going to pay the, the school to go and play, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and you know that
1: for the bowl game, they won't. They'll say, "Oh, that was never part of the consideration." Well, you fully, you know what? If you didn't right. think about uh, setting up the former coach up against his old team, that's right. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, I hate to tell people, but uh, folks do lie in this world. Uh, I hate to break them that news. Every, but every now and then. Right? Every now and then. A lot. Of, it depends on who you hang out with. There's right. a lot of A lot of nine Or days. it's uh, like National Enquirer. There's a little bit of truth to it, but they stretch that rubber band, dude, that we can wrap it around this table that we at. That, uh, I mean, that, that and, and it happens to everybody. You, we all been in that situation with people that are like that, and real good at it, too, because, you, you know, uh, it's the old Seinfeld line that, uh, well, George stole let to Jerry.
2: Uh, if you believe it, it's real. It's real. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if it's real or not. If you believe it, that's all that matters, and you're absolutely right. That's, it's It's one of those things where people just uh, stretch, 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 and they try to implant very small bits of the, the, the truth in there and try to make you, you know, sell you on it, and then all of a sudden, here we go. We're in the middle of a whole bunch of you-know-what.
1: And also, to. Because there's no borders anymore. No. Uh, state right? Uh, everything is open where you'll see a top recruit leave Louisiana, go to Texas, or and then you grab a kid from Florida or you grab a kid from Texas. Now, mostly it's regional. Uh, you don't see a lot of kids from Pennsylvania or Colorado or California going to LSU. Every once in a while you'll get one. but. Mm-hmm regionally those borders man it's wide open today
2: yeah it really is I, you know it, it, i remember when i was in uh, lsu playing we had a kid from seattle jamal hill he was a highly touted um linebacker that came from seattle so and we were like man why did we go way to seattle when I, we know there's some- yeah somebody and after you got a kid that did play. so so but you're right though but the only reason why you go that far out now is because those are top recruits and you can get them in you can bring them in but you know i'm always you know have always been like i told you before a fan of st- you know putting uh, a steel fence around this border of this state and then you know you add texas to that you add Mississippi. And, and as much as Alabama and Florida as you can. And, and you try to lock that down because this is where you're going to get that talent from when it comes to athletic ability and skill positions. Now, when you start talking these big boys up front, the Mississippi, uh, Texas, uh, Alabama, and Alabama, and maybe even further north, that's where you're going to go get those big boys the offensive linemen from. And that's what Brian Kelly... Was really good at when he was at um, Notre Dame and Prior School. Because he had to. Because he hadn't had no choice. Yeah, he didn't have, don't the skill have a, a
1: ton of players That's in right. Indiana. That's uh, right. So you had to recruit nationally.
2: Yeah, so I, I think that he's going to do a really good job moving forward. And, you know, obviously you have Frank Wilson. And Frank has been top tier recruiter his entire career. ain't a high career. school coach in uh, Louisiana that, that, that do not know Frank, Frank Wilson. That's right. And I would stretch that and go to Texas, Mississippi, and Alabama, and probably Florida as well.
1: Yeah, because you know Frank was at McNeese, mm-hmm. and he did a lot of recruiting out in the, especially in the East Texas area where, yep. uh, you know where where they got people, they got players. Right. Uh, that's a Curtis Johnson line, but it is true. <laughs> uh, where mm-hmm. they got people, they got players, and so it's trying to find I guess best word to use the right fit for what you do. Yeah. Uh, and and sometimes that's development with players. Yes. That hit it on that's the That's the other part. Do you see the vision for that guy two years from now? And some coaches, you know, hey, give me, give me the guy that I know about. I mean, I don't want to talk about no development because if I develop him, I might be developing for another
2: coach. For somebody else. But when
1: you like Brian Kelly, you got a, a 10-year contract and you've got $100 million bucks. Uh, you can afford to do that. And I think it's the second stage with Brian now in LSU. And it's about re-recruiting your own talent. That's on the team that could get kind of pulled away Mm -hmm. and poached away. And then more on the high school level. And you just kind of signify a couple spots where you can go in the portal and grab a guy that could immediately help you out. If it's that cornerback, if it's that defensive tackle, you name it, that he can come in to help. And then you, you also use the portal. For when you lose a player and you need to replace, replace him, him mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of his skill set and also uh, playing time, you also have to use it that way.
2: You know, Brian talked about the development of players because he was talking about Malik neighbors as well as um, on Jaden Daniels and how they've developed those two guys specifically over the past couple of years to get them to where they are now. And for him, he said, that's very, very important not only for those two guys, but moving forward for all of his players, whether or not he you know, that he gets a a sophomore or a junior that's that's in the portal and be able to develop them to become whatever they need to be for LSU, or if it's a high school guy that comes in and be able to develop them as well. That's that development plays such a key in the role of college sports that it's really, really truly important and needed. I just I just remember and I go back to all of those years when LSU we were you know three yards in a cloud of dust right and everybody's like well, what about our offense what about what why can't we throw the well, ball why can't top we do quarterback
1: this? quarterback gonna come here with that?
2: Well here's the thing the thing is not so much <laughs> that is that we couldn't even develop the quarterbacks throughout that time That's to get them to, to throw the ball. Yeah. So if you remember all the quarterbacks were I remember all of them being transfers right? I mean, Danny Etling was one Edling, Zach Mettenberger. Mettenberger and somebody else can't think of the other guy he, he was one as well and I'm like Man, we can't, we can't get a guy out of high school and develop him for anything. And, and, you know, and it's okay if you get a transfer from somewhere. That's fine as long as you can develop him and turn him into a Joe Burrow or a Jaden Daniels. Now, they have different sets of skills, but they both are really great and high IQ football players that can lead young men to the promised land, and that's why those guys are so great. But the coaching development of the players is, is, is what you're paying the coaches for. Nothing else.
1: Yeah, and you think about, uh, so I'll ask you the question. I get asked all about it. Do you think this team will go out and get a transfer quarterback? And my answer is yes. If something happens to Garrett Nussmeyer, and I'm talking about physically, what do you have? Uh, You want something to back up Garrett or compete with him for a starting spot that has taken a few snaps uh, at the most critical position on the field. Yeah. And so uh, I'll ask you, because uh, I, I, I think for me it's obvious you've got to do it, your thoughts on going out and get a transfer, uh, portal quarterback, and how much easier it is now because of Burrow, because of Jaden Daniels and their success here.
2: I think you have to – I think it's needed, but it has to be the right guy. It has to be the right fit, the right skill set the the right type of high IQ player that we we're used to seeing because it can't just be somebody that just has a you know a, you know some sort of a name because if you think about it Jayden Daniels was kind of under the radar if you will when he was playing at Arizona in uh, Arizona State and it, it was just a, a, one of those things where where who is this kid we heard about him coming out of high school, but he, he did some okay things his true freshman year, a little bit in sophomore year, but, but that was about then it. he trailed so, off. Yeah, and then so there was no development there. So I think, I think they do get one, but it has to be the right guy. And who is that guy? And that guy has to be able to show the, the potential that he can be um, um, a great leader in the locker room, on the field, and great skill set. On the field, but also be someone that, um, you know, I think they really like those fourth year guys that have two years, right, left over, because then they can graduate and then they can take one class and they can be studying constantly for that, that, that senior year. And I think that's important as a development of that player as well.
1: Yeah, because one of the things Jaden had told me at Demanding Passing Academy, and then uh, Coach Kelly has repeated it, is that, man, I, they, they run me off. Uh, and in the film room, you know, I, yeah. I was spending so much time there. And, you know, Coach Kelly was, no, you, you got to get out of here. Uh, I see you more than some of the coaches in here. Yeah. Uh, and that might have been said in jest, but it goes to show, and you played that position, how much time and effort it takes It takes to play it. It's just not throwing the football in the backyard, you know, with your kids or when you were younger playing, you know, with people your age, man, it's a totally different ball game today.
2: And the thing about it, too, is so much more difficult when you're a freshman or a sophomore sophomore and you have a full load of classes, right? 17 right. hours, 21 hours of classes. That's very difficult to do, to, to try to be in the film room all day long. That's why I think they, they really like those fourth-year, fifth-year seniors who, who has either, either graduated already, taken one class, or about to graduate, and then the next year they're taking you know that one class or whatever just so that they can be eligible to be able to play and it's it's important the 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 understanding the mental part of it is underestimated for people who don't know not just underestimated it's grossly underestimated because you know you know people don't realize how much happens in such a short period of time when you're playing the quarterback positions and that's not even go that 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 deep That's super deep. You have to know every play that the offense is doing, every player's position, whatever they're doing on whatever specific play, from the the center all the way to yourself. And then you also have to know what the defense is doing on every play. And that's not an easy thing to do. Everybody doesn't have to know every position and what they're doing on every single play except for the quarterback. The other position
1: to, I would put, high priority center. Because not only – do you play your spot? You got to get everybody else lined up. Everybody. And you understand the fact that you're calling uh, different pickups because mm-hmm. now the blitzes just don't come off the edge. They They're coming from up from the, up the middle. They're coming up different areas. And two is underestimated. I talked to Kevin Mawai about this, about sometimes a quarterback gets a little excited. Yep. You know, he said sometimes it's when you're doing real well and sometimes when you're not. And your job as a center is to calm his nerves, right? As, as a player.
2: Yeah, if you got a quarterback that gets really excited or whatever, that's, he, he may not be that guy that has uh, ice running through his veins, as you say. Maybe he's not the guy. But the quarterback should be the one that's it's an extension of the center, right? They should be in tune all the time. So, a, if a center has to turn around and get the quarterback straight, something ain't right there. Um, because the center controls everything from the center out to the tackles, and you know you slide the protection left, slide it right, or you know, or they fan out, whatever they need to do, and then the running back has to be a part of that as well, and the quarterback has to be on the same page. It's it's whenever you you see, offensive linemen sliding one way and then defenses, um, you know. Blitzing off the edge from the from the other side, you should see a running back going to pick up that particular blitz. And if they're not all in sync in one, it's going to be a long, long day for whatever offense that is. Uh,
1: Joe Clark, who lived next to me for so many years, was saying, you know, a lot of times an offensive lineman will catch heat, uh, and sometimes it's not the lineman that misses the block. It's a tight end, mm-hmm. a running back. Yep. He doesn't pick up his assignment yep. to pick up that guy either coming off the edge or coming up the middle. Yep. And he oh, offensive line, look how bad they didn't pick that guy up. Well that's not their
2: that's not his man. It he wasn't, wasn't his guy. Yeah. And, and
1: so again, it's not like playing high school football forty years ago. Or playing in your backyard. It's, no. a, it's a totally different game today.
2: And then if you stretch it out even further, you got to go to the tight ends and the slot receiver or even the outside receiver. Right. Whenever somebody's blitzing off of them, they have to be able to see the side adjust. Quarterback has to see it because they, you know, nine times out of ten, the, the offensive lineman and the running back can't pick up more than six guys, of course, right? And so the quarterback and the receivers have to be on the same page to be able to do a side adjust and get the ball out as soon as possible. This was uh, Vic Fangio took a Year off of, of mm-hmm. coaching in the NFL,
1: he did a couple of shows with Bobby and I, and he talked about asking about what do you look for in a corner, and he's like, first things first, can he tackle? Because eventually, yep. he's got to make that open field tackle, yep. and he said a lot of guys is just ole moves, you know, they they mm-hmm. trying to get in somebody's way, yep. or they hanging on, and secondly, the ability to take the right angle to the football in flight. He said, those are the two things for me. Uh, He said, I've coached small corners. I've coached six foot three corners. I've coached five foot eight corners. Okay, the size and the recovery speed is important, but that ability to tackle out into the open field and find the ball quickly in flight. Like he said, I can't teach that. I can't teach that guy to find that football. Either you got it or you don't in uh, being able to pull your head around at the right moment to see it when you can knock the ball away. And LSU, man, uh, they struggled today they finding did. the football in they flight. Did. I thought they had done a pretty good job the last couple of weeks, but, man, did they struggle today yeah. uh, finding the football in flight.
2: I don't know if the sun was in their eyes or what, but there was a couple of times where we jumped way early and the ball just sailed right over our heads as, hands as we were coming down. And, and you know, Coach Vangio was absolutely spot on. The, the the first thing for me is being able to find that ball in flight, right first, and knowing when to turn that head around to either make an adjustment to catch the intercept or knock the ball down, whatever it may be. Then the second thing is making tackles because. First of all, they have to catch the ball in order to make the tackle. So if I allow them to catch the football, then I'm going to make the tackle right then and there. Now, if you you got a running back like, you know, Barry Sanders coming down on you and you're a, you're a <laughs> cornerback or, or something that's out there you know, by yourself, it's, that's a, t- a tough task to bring down Barry Sanders or somebody like that, any of those guys in the NFL, really good running backs. But somebody that can really, you know, form, tackle, wrap up, and bring a guy down is very, very important.
1: Uh, I had an NFL corner. I'm not going to say his name, but he said, man, the first time I played the Titans, and I took a look (laughs) at Derrick Henry, I'm like, what? He's playing running back? That's right. And he said, you know, man, it ran into my mind. Man, I hope I don't catch him out in the open field. And he said, sure enough, third play of the game, he cuts the corner, and it's me and him. And he said, the first thing I heard was his hand. Hit my helmet. He said it sounded like a sledge. And, and Derek actually, because I've been to the Titans situation, mm-hmm. he practices using that hand and slamming it up against your helmet yeah. uh, to keep you away. Uh, and, and it does have a distinct sound. And he was like, man, I, I caught it. I caught it from Henry right off the bat. He said, Man, I I was telling the referee, is there a penalty for that? He said, That I know of. (laughs) I I can't penalize him for hitting you in the
2: helmet with his hand. That distinct sound is distinct. I I don't want to get hit by this again. (laughs) We'll be back with more of the Purple and Gold Point after
1: show presented by Map Construction. We're at 3535 Perkins Road here in Baton Rouge. Come on by and visit Herb and I. Got a few more minutes left at Acme Oyster House. Jason and the crew here will take good care of you. We'll be back with more of the uh, post-purpling gold point after show right after these messages.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: We're back here on our Purple and Gold Point After Show presented by MAP Construction. I'd like to take you along with Herb Tyler. We're at Acme Oyster House here in Baton Rouge. Come on by and visit us. Got a full house here, but still got a few tables open. Uh, great food and drink specials. Uh, Herb, one of the things now that the regular season's over with and you get a little bit of time off, but then you get a chance to prepare for the bowl game Kind of explain to everybody how that is with young players because maybe a guy who's a freshman, uh, a sophomore who hasn't played a lot, you're going to get some snaps here and some <laughs> valuable playing time like up against your own team, yeah. so to speak,
2: but you are getting practice time that you normally wouldn't get. It's, it's basically like going back into spring football, right? So you, you, they're going to be two to two and a half weeks of straight practice against one another. And um, it, it's important for the, the, those you know, freshmen, sophomores, and those juniors who are not playing because then they get to showcase what they're doing or what they can do. And the coaches are looking for that going into this bowl game. And a lot of times these guys will go into that bowl week um, of practice, and they may be a third teamer, and they may move up to second team. You may move up to first team because a guy like Malik may not be playing, um, and, and, and so, if you're, you know, a 13 receiver, here's your opportunity to make a statement, and, and not just at receiver, but also at the the special teams. I'm saying right. that is key Correct. too. When you get a guy, you can find a guy and it's for a special teams, punt return, or a kick return, or something like that during that bowl week. And the preparation leading up to that is key because it's it's another season. Everything starts back at zero, and you don't have to really worry about what you did or did not do. Prior to that moment, because the coaches kind of reset, and then they're going to have scrimmages. It's going to be at least three or four scrimmages within those two weeks leading up to that game, to where it's going to be full pads, and it's going to be full goal, and everybody going, yeah, it's just going to be mano a mano, shoulder pad on shoulder pads, and let's see who who's going to be end up standing at the end of the, the week.
1: I never forget this. We do in pregame for LSU Oklahoma. Saban was still coaching LSU at the time, Mm -hmm. and um, Barry Switzer shows up. So, Buddy Deliberto (laughs) and I, we get Barry to come do it. Man, Barry, he's always colorful. But one thing he said has always stuck with me. He's like, the team you see at the end of the season, if it's late November early December, you never see that team again. Nope. Either they get better or they get worse. Right. And he said, you know, I've had teams – We don't play well maybe the last game. Maybe we lost the last game, Mm -hmm. and you sort of down. And then that team shows up big, you know, if it's early January, if it's January 1st, and now the way it's maneuvered around how you play late December, early January. And he said, I've had teams, we look great down the stretch, and then distractions come in. Should I come out early for the NFL draft? Oh, I want tickets for this. Uh, I got family for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got, you know, a girlfriend here, this and that. And he said, I- I'm just telling you, that team never shows back up. No. Nope. It- it's, it- it's one of the two. It's not the same. You're, you're Either gonna, you get better or you get worse. Yeah,
2: you're going to digress or you're going to progress, right? And th- it's, it's because it's so many different moving parts and things are, are different. So you may play your last game here, uh, you know, November 25th if you're LSU. You may not play again until December 25th. So, you know, who knows? Maybe January 1st. We, we don't know when they're going to play again, but that's, that's a whole month away. That's and a long you time. Ha- you have to be able to build that camaraderie again. You have to build. And football's not a light switch, no. it's not on and off. It's a team sport, and you got, you know, 11 men on both sides, and you all have to be on the same uh, wavelength, if you will. And not just that, like I said before, you're going to have guys that's not going to be playing in a bowl game. So now you've disrupted that whole entire flow and that magnetic force field that you have that's brought these guys together for the previous 11, 12, 13 games, and now it's it's different. Complete different atmosphere, complete different, you know, moxie and way of practicing and understanding one another, things of that nature. So let's just look at if if Jaden Daniels does not play.
1: Your outlook on this team is totally
2: different. different. Complete different. So who is that guy that steps in? Can he do the same thing that he was doing? Probably not. But how can he turn his own, you know, uh, energy into something that's special for this team moving forward in that bowl game? Yeah. Talking to Drew Brees
1: during the summer, and he he brought up the fact that when LSU played Purdue in the bowl game uh, last year, he's like, you know, we had five guys that didn't play. But he said the difference between LSU and Purdue is LSU got a bunch of dudes on their team. Second team, Uh, third team. uh, (laughs) You know, like what at Purdue? Our first team was pretty good, and then that's a bit of a drop off, and there's a real drop off when you get to the third team. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, when you lose five or six key players that decide, you know, I'm not going to play. I'm coming out early for the NFL draft. Yeah. He said, you know, for LSU they can maybe overcome that, right. and Alabama might be able to overcome that, but for a team like Purdue, uh, you're
2: not overcoming that. No, and not every team can overcome that. Even if it makes it even tougher. For an LSU who was depleted a couple years ago to overcome With 39 it, right? kids. Yeah, up? it is it, just so difficult because it's it's people are so finicky and they're so different and you just don't know what's going through somebody's head. And then when you start to elevate these younger kids to get in there and start playing, you just don't know how well they're gonna, you know, understand and, and take the spotlight when those lights turn on or their eyes gonna get big or they're gonna tense up and not play as well as you would normally see them in practice. Things of that nature. It's a, it's, a, it's a bunch of different moving factors that, that come into play that are very difficult for coaches to put their hands on and to keep moving forward and be successful in the bowl game.
1: We got uh, one more <laughs> short segment left on our Purple and Gold Point After Show. We're at Acme Oyster House here in Baton Rouge. Come on by and visit. Got a few tables open, but, uh, man, it's filled up pretty great here. And I know Jason and the crew will do a great job of taking care of you if you're in the baton rouge area we'll be back to finish it up here on our purple and gold point after show presented by map construction right after this quick break we're finishing up on our purple and gold point after show We're at Acme Oyster House, 3535 Perkins Road here in Baton Rouge. I want to thank Map Construction, always great (laughs) presenters of the program here. That's right. And we just saw it. And it looks as though Auburn had Alabama by the teriyaki, so to speak. (laughs) Man, Jalen Milrow hangs one up, and Isaiah Bond on a fourth down play catches the ball (laughs) in the corner of the end zone. And with 32 seconds left. And now they're uh, lining up to kick the extra point, and it would make it Alabama twenty-seven, Auburn twenty-four with thirty-two seconds what? left. And Auburn had them; you know, they had them. You
2: know what that means? The game is not over. With this is the Iron Bowl, so you just—we've seen know some crazy stuff to end this. You we really, know. really have. But man, what an ending That's to the game! That's right. Uh, on a
1: fourth down play, sending everybody—only three rush. Milrow, and he just hangs one up in the corner and again isaiah bond comes up with the catch <laughs> uh and man this place you you can just hear it everybody uh, everybody <laughs> all at one time and nick saban in alabama looks as though they're going to come out with the victory over auburn herb great to work with you i yes, think sir. probably we'll have one more a yep. uh, bowl game to do and uh Thanks so much. Uh, great coverage this morning and also this afternoon. Yes, sir. I want to thank all our listeners and everybody here at Acme Oyster House uh, for tuning in. So for Mike to tell you, Herb Tyler, that's it for our Purple and Gold Point After Show. And we'll be back come a bowl game right here on the Big 870.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.